Hello, and welcome to Unsheathed with your hosts, Kyle Gold and Cam Hirosaki. We hope that you enjoy the program. Please stick around afterwards. There'll be cake and blowjobs. Hi, welcome to Unsheathed number 47. Uh, I'm Kyle Gold. I'm Cam Hirosaki. And we have a special guest on our podcast with us this week. I'm Severin. Yay. Of, Yay. Uh, <laughs> We've doubled our fox quotient and, like, tripled our ear quotient. <laughs> yeah, something like that. The foxes finally finally outnumber the otters on the podcast. I think this might be the first time. That's true. Because you, fo- you had double foxes before, but there were no otters that week. That's true. Mm. And we have, I think we have more otter guests than any other kind of guest. Yeah, so far they're winning. Yes, well. Go us. Savern, we appreciate you helping us reverse that trend. Got a fox solidarity. Yes. Fist bump or whatever. I'm thinking, do I know any other otters I could bring on the show that would make sense? I think otters generally don't make sense. Yeah. (laughs) Spaghetti. Anyway. They're very tube-shaped. They roll downhill. Doesn't make sense. (laughs) The, the the tube shape is featured prominently in uh, this year's issue of Heat. But uh, we'll, there we'll, was that one episode of Unfurled where somebody referred to Roland as that otter guy with the sexy voice. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, ferrets is just dry otters. Oh, that just sounds so sad when you put it that way. I know. Uh-huh. A moment of silence. That's enough. But <laughs> I was going to tell you that we're on a podcast. Need to do that. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. Savern is here joining us. Um, Savern, probably most of our listeners know him best from Notcast, but he's also quite adept at reading fiction online. And uh, we thought we would ask him to talk a little bit about that, and we'll ask him sensical and nonsensical questions and get to a couple letters later on. So, Savern, why don't you tell us about your fiction reading? All right. Well,. Since I've been doing Nodcast, there's been a lot of people that said I have a good voice. Um, probably might not come through since I'm on Skype, but people enjoy oh, don't my be voice. Modest. And, uh, you know, I like reading, so I figured, why not combine the two? Uh, I, You know, I've read some of Out of Position. I've read some uh, uh, Save the Day. I've read a couple other things, and uh, actually read a commission of all things uh here a couple this week and that's that's kind of cool we were talking about that a little bit earlier but it uh i i guess i knew there were some voice actors in the fandom but i'd never it never occurred to me to have people uh commission someone to read part of their story you know it was really out of the blue it's not something that had uh, come to mind basically you know, they IM'd me and said, hey, I've got an idea. We read them a story. They threw out a value, and I said, well, that sounds fair. You know, it was an hour-long recording. Took me four hours. Made a little bit of cash. All for something I do for fun. You know, nothing wrong with that. Hey, why not? Very cool. See, uh, I'd, I'd be worried if... You know, I were in that position that somebody like, hey, will you read my story? And be okay. And then you get it, and it's just something that's either totally horrifying or really embarrassing to have to read out loud. 
Not that I have experience with this. <laughs> well, I do kind of have my limits, and if they were to send me the story and it was a subject that I don't want to read or something that I find personally offensive, which there's very little of that, but I wouldn't read it. I'd decline it and say, better luck next time. You know, I'm not going to read stories about Pyropedo Necro Bestiality. <laughs> oh, that know? sounds I'll, like I'll, that'd be I'll, fun. I'll, I'll read the Empreg and the Vore, but you have to take out the snuff. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't know, because doing audio work for commissions is something new. You know, no, so I haven't really run up against anything that weird yet. But now, obviously, you know, you say you read out of position, so you do read adult work. Yes. And you, uh, from what I heard of your reading about a position, you do it very well. And a lot of people ask us, uh, KM and I have done a little bit of adult reading on this podcast, and mm-hmm. a lot of people ask us if it's distracting or difficult to read adult work. So kind of interested how you how you handle it. Well, of the stuff I've read, the majority of it is adult. Um, out of position, commission, a couple of stuff I've done for fun and not released – is adult. And when you read it, if you're reading it in the context of you're doing an audiobook and not reading it, say, to fat, it, <laughs> you focus more, I would think. You kind of focus on the words and not necessarily yeah. the content. Now, obviously, there are times where you're like, you can detect a grin in the way my voice sounds because it is enjoyable to read. But it doesn't really distract me all that much. And, and I think I, I remember listening to Out of Position and thinking there were a couple times when I could tell, oh, yeah, he's enjoying the, the text. Not necessarily, be, not like he's enjoying you can, the you text. Can hear, you could hear the boner in his voice. Well, and then, there was the, and then there was the zipper at one point. But... Mm-hmm. <laughs> But, there's some uh, weird audio quality issues, like when you're reading the sex scene, there's like this clicking in the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> and your voice kind of cuts in and out. <laughs> yeah. Actually, what, what, what you were describing there, just real quick, before we get too far away from it, about you know how when you're actually like taking it in the context of focusing on doing it, you know, as opposed to... I don't know, doing it for self-erotic purposes. Like, because I get people asking, it's like, how do you finish writing a story without just jerking off and like losing your mojo? And I'm like, well, when I'm writing the story, I'm not doing it as like I'm concentrating on writing the story and not like pornographying myself, for lack of a better word. And like, yeah, like okay, like there, like I'll I will get a little into it here and there, but for the most part, you know, my brain is on. All right, I am putting words on page and I'm trying to write something that will be enjoyable and that's the main focus in my mind yeah it you want to put out a product that other people can enjoy and you can enjoy after the fact um, I don't think artists when they're drawn porn commissions they you know stop halfway through to crank one out oh I drew that dong really well hang on a second <laughs> <laughs> oh now I gotta draw it again <laughs> I'm gonna draw it again faster <laughs> Yeah, I think I, I had I've gotten that question too, and I think my response is just kind of uh, I I have self control. Yeah, <laughs> I 
I mean, especially since like I write with you at Starbucks. Like, what else am I going to do? <laughs> which is funny because one of the people that we write with is really self conscious and basically said, "I cannot write adult stuff in public." Nobody's looking at your screen. There's that little bit of paranoia, you know. Somebody might peer over and see, you know, stories about otters taking it up the rear from foxes, you know, because that's the natural order of things. But <laughs> I, I think the most part, people are, you know, I think writing's kind of a taboo. But writing adult is taboo, so people are like, ooh, you know, it's it's adults taboo. I should be real sneaky and obvious about it. But if you're doing all nonchalant, people aren't going to care. You, That's you, my opinion, at least. You you should have seen uh, KM's reaction to your comment there. <laughs> it was it was it achieved its desired effect. I'll say that. Excellent. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. And I think his I think his concern was more about his own reactions to his writing in public, which was which was interesting. But it's like if if. If what you're writing is going to cause you to like start rubbing the front of your jeans like every ten seconds, then yeah, maybe I would be a little more self conscious too. But I, yeah, definitely. And that's something that you worry about when you're TSing at work, not when you're you know out writing fiction in public. <laughs> Again, TSing while you're at the library. <laughs> you know, when I was in college, they always like once every couple months there would be incidents of people exposing themselves in libraries and like I, you'd go up in the stacks and it would be remote and people would just wander around and look for attractive female students and just like start what? really yeah weird and this was like before the internet pretty much so that's back bizarre. in the day yeah i know back in the 20 if you <laughs> well considering how big some of those university libraries are it's you could probably do a lot of stuff and not be found. That's true. Yeah. We had right an back in the enormous section. library at my school. You could like hide a body there and you wouldn't find it for two weeks. Oh, they did that at our library too. Seriously? <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> Man, I need to stop leaping at things. Well, you're an otter. I don't, do, do we pounce? I think we... Uh, you kind of... We dart. Slink. You, have yeah. like, you have like that hemispherical yeah, that's jump true. in action. They kind of bounce a little when they run. Right. Point, 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 splish. <laughs> um, so, any uh, before we sort of get way too distracted on the topic of otters and foxes and whatnot, uh, anything else that you wanted to talk about with the reading? Or was there anything else we wanted to ask? Not really. I mean, it, it's one of those things that is an, not necessarily totally a new thing. Um, there is another podcast, uh, Anthropomorphic Dreams, which has been doing furry audiobooks for a lot longer, but I don't know if he does adult. Yeah, uh, yeah I don't. I don't think he does. You know, my interest in doing the audio work is that I'm reading stories for my friends and doing it for fun. And if people want to commission me to do that, well, that's cool. But I'm not trying to make a regular podcast, right? The uh, the whole concept of Vox Zerta as a was well, a successor to Notcast if we had decided to end it, which we didn't, and we're still going, but it's kind of in the back burner. Okay, uh, Kit actually had a question, which I, he kind of mouthed and gestured at me, so I'm going to make a question out of it and 
which was something I was interested in anyway, which is so when you when you sit down to read a story, are you do you put yourself into the character of the people in the story or do you sort of distance yourself from it? I try really hard to characterize the characters. So like if, you know, if there's a gruff elephant, well, I'm going to try to read in sort of a gruff voice and I try to lend a voice to the characters according to how they're written. So I guess in that regard, I really do get into the story and, you know, I'm focused on producing the work, but not, you know, getting distracted and having to go fat. (laughs) Okay. And uh, another question that I had, because this is sort of of interest to us, is what what do you do to learn and improve? Do you listen to your recordings over again? Um, Are you, like, referring to sources online or something to to get better? Well... I practice reading aloud, and trying to read without typos is uh, pretty fun. It is a practice thing, and there are plenty of other places that you can hear audiobooks. Um, I know when going to and from cons, we usually listen to audiobooks when I'm in the car with uh, Fuzz or Tieran or whomever. You know, listen to Pratchett or whoever else. You know, so I kind of see how they do it and try to do it myself. Cool. And that's what we actually tell people about writing all the time is, you know, listen to, or, you know, read the professionals, listen to the professionals and figure out what they're doing that works really well. Yeah. You know, and I do listen to myself and I don't think I have the greatest voice, but apparently other people do. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, we enjoy your voice and, it, you know, I think it's very cool that you continue to work to, to make it better and. For only four ninety five, you too can subscribe to Sandfox Yaf Yaf Monthly. <laughs> <laughs> yaf Yaf. Um, and you have a couple of clips that you had sent along to us. Do you want to introduce them real quick? Okay. Well, I sent along three clips, two from Out of Position and one from Save the Day. Uh, the first clip from Out of Position is from the very first part of the first chapter when they're at the bar and the second one is an adult scene later on in the first chapter and the out of position or sorry save the day is just sort of a reveal it's just sort of a snippet out of that big first chapter uh is it is it spoilery do people have to like fast forward through it if they don't want anything ruined for them no okay so here we we present some chap- uh, two pieces from out of position. One is adult. If that's going to bother you, cover your ears. And the last one is from Save the Day. Their mutters die down behind me as I walk up to the bar. The squirrel perks up for one hopeful moment until I park myself on the other side of the vixen. Then she slumps down again. I could give a shit. Up close, the vixen is still striking. Not one hair out of place. She pretends not to notice me at first. I've timed it pretty well. She's just finishing her drink. Buy you another? I rumble. She turns to me now, and her eyes are bright and blue. Contacts, I think, but God, they're gorgeous. So is the curve of her smile. Actually, she says in a low, husky voice that reminds me of Lauren Bacali, I'm about finished here. I was just going to head home. Oh, 
I can't tell whether this is a brush-off or not. Any other girl I'd come right back with. How about I join you? But for some reason, I'm hesitating here. She looks straight ahead, so I can only see one eye. This is the part where you offer to walk me home. <laughs> that voice is turning me on something fierce. So, can I walk you home? She shrugs. I know my own way, and I'm not drunk. Damn foxes. God damn them. I'm about to walk away in disgust when I see that there's a sparkle in her eyes, a challenge. And maybe, just maybe, this time it'll be worth the trouble. Her apartment is clean and tidy, a big studio with a partly separate kitchen. I barely have time to register the Tomcat Selleck and the Beatles posters before she shuts the door and sets her purse on the small stand next to it. Now, she says, I believe I was saying thank you. We kiss again, a deep kiss, an amazing kiss. Her tongue winds around mine, her stomach rubs up and down against my hard-on until I whimper against her. I can't help myself. She breaks the kiss and smiles at me, almost purring. Poor kitty, she says. Let me give you a paw. Some noise escapes my throat, but I'm not sure what. She's got my pants open and down, and my boxers follow soon after. I can feel the stickiness on the inside as she takes them down. I'm leaking like a dorm radiator. She applies both paws to it, trailing soft finger pads down my whole length, claws teasing through the fur that covers my balls, tickling behind my sack and then around my thighs. She seems to have more than ten fingers. I can't separate out the sensations. I force out another moan, and she takes hold of my cock and stands up. Let's go to bed, she says in that husky voice, and at that moment she could tell me to jump out the window and I'd be halfway to the ground before I realized anything was wrong. Her bed is a couch that unfolds to a sleeper. She sits me on the edge and kneels between my legs, stroking me with both paws, but not firmly enough to move me along, just enough to arouse and tease. My tail thrashes against the sofa in search of something to wrap around. My paws grab her shoulders, and I see that slender muzzle move forward, the small pink tongue meeting my huge pink shaft, and the thrill is electric as she laps up the drips from my tip. Lots of girls don't like that. They'll jerk you off or let you screw them, but they don't want to do any licking, or... Oh, God, she takes me all the way into her mouth, and I'm shuddering on the bed. It's so good. She licks around with that soft tongue, sliding up and down and adding some suction, and my legs start to stamp the floor. I can't take much more of this, but I want to be inside her, want her against me, but I can't make her stop. Finally, with an effort, I push her shoulders away. Her eyes meet mine, and I feel like she knows what I'm going to do even before I reach down and lift her onto the bed. I sit right up, and Ted is standing there. I can see his big ears and slender muzzle, his coat of tan brown fur barely visible in the dark of the room. I quickly flick on a desk lamp, and with a hint more accusation in my voice than I feel, say, Where were you? Evening, Jay. Ted tries to stay pleasantly. His shirt isn't tucked in, and he looks a bit disheveled, a little tired, and his fur is must. What has he been doing to himself? I get up off the bed, standing with my arms crossed over my chest, and I glare at him. Answer the question, Ted. Where were you? Look, I'm sorry I was late to the dinner. I didn't mean to run late, he says evasively. Things came up. I ended up doing some cleanup. Yeah, well, all our friends missed you, and I ended up being there alone. I glance at the clock. I've only been home half an hour. Odd. Ted would have had to have taken the bus. Because we only have one car, but they don't drop off anywhere near now. 
I shrug it off. There's probably an excuse, and I don't want to bother with it right now. There are more important things going on. This isn't even the first time, either. You've skipped that on me and everyone else a lot recently. Ted sighs. I know, Jay. I'm sorry. There's just been a lot going on in my life. Important things. More important than me? I retort testily. He's being evasive and it irks me. I can't help but think how everyone was looking at me at the coffee house and the drive home, which would have been a lot shorter if I had stayed in my old apartment. And reading that paper on the events in Vancouver. It's all just piles on. Not to mention the months, if not years, of lying to me. It's not that he hasn't had good reasons in the past, but this is getting ridiculous. Of course not! Ted exclaims in surprise, looking at me with those brown eyes, his ears folding back as his tail slumps and says, You know me, and you're the most important thing in my life, Jay. Well, you certainly don't want to act like it, I growl. You've been leaving me high and dry for weeks now. What happened tonight really hurts. Ah, oh, Oreo, I'm sorry, Ted says honestly, using his pet name for me. I believe him, too. I know that he's sorry. That doesn't mean he won't do it again. I'm just miffed at him now. He can't keep doing this, and I want to be clear about it. Searching my mind, I think about what I read earlier and say, Oh, so, like, you'd be sorry if some supervillain attacked the city. What? Jay looks genuinely concerned about that. Jay, sweetie, have you heard something? What are you talking about? I was listening to the radio tonight. I heard about this huge brawl in Vancouver, I say, and Ted seems to visibly relax. I mean, Portland had its own superhero. What if some brawl happens here? What if El Esclavador had been here instead of San Diego? Where would you have been? I'd want to be with the man I love, not here alone to fend for myself. Ted seems shocked by my comment. I mean, really shocked, as if I had slapped him in the face. Good. Maybe he'll actually think about what he's doing next time. Maybe he'll consider what it means. He stammers out, Oreo, of course I'd want to be with you. So where were you tonight, then? I growl at him pointedly. Ted licks his nose before saying, I just got stuck at work. The boss kept me late. Ted, damn it, stop lying to me. I growl, my black and white collie tail fluffing out. This has been going on for weeks, and you keep lying to me. Damn it, I'm sick of this. What the hell is wrong? Why are you never around? Are you cheating on me? Ted's big coyote ears hung low in his head as he looks at me. I hear a slight whimper. He looks genuinely hurt at the idea. How could you say that, Jay? Well, what else am I supposed to think? Tonight you missed a meal with our friends we've been planning to go to for, for weeks. Last week you were three hours late to our anniversary. You missed our last meal with my parents, which was the fourth time in a row. You come home late five nights in the past week, and you've been bruised more than a few times. Not to mention all the other stuff over the years. You give me these cock and bull stories like I'm some sort of idiot. What are you, some sort of kinky pervert who likes to get beat up in bars? And we're back. <laughs> Hopefully you enjoyed those. Very nice. Those those were very cool. Um, and do you want to uh, – we'll probably do it again at the end of the podcast, but do you want to let people know where they can get in touch with you about the audiobooks or where they can find your audio stuff online? Okay. Well, the Out of Position audiobook is not necessarily in the wild. I can make it available. The – uh, Save the Day Chapter 1 is the only one that I think is in the wild right now, and it's available on the NotCast RSS. So you just go to right. iTunes, and it's up there. Cool. Um, as for contacting me, uh, I'm linked off the NotCast FA and on my personal L- uh, FA, 
uh, Saverin. S a v r i n. Look for the yes. ears. All right, cool. Well, we have a couple questions here from people that we would like to have you help us answer. If that'd all be all right. right. Um, do you want to read the first one, or do you want me to? Why don't you? <laughs> all right. <laughs> Greetings and welcome to Unsheathed Presents Number Five. Spit take. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. If Kam Hirosaki didn't just run away screaming or spit wine all over his mic, I have a question for both of you. Why do you write erotica as opposed to non-erotic fiction? Thank you for both your answers and for the podcast that gives me laughs, good advice, and makes my commute such a joy every week. Sincerely, Dimitri. P.S. If I owe Kam Hirosaki some wine and or a new microphone, let me know what type he'd like. <laughs> So what type of wine would you like? Hmm. Let me think about that. And you, can't those- go wrong, you can't go wrong with Shiraz. Or, uh, you know, like a Riesling. Okay. I'll give a there white and a red choice. And we'll be at Rocky Mountain Furcon if you want to present that in person. Um, for people who might not have listened to it, that was a reference to Unsheathed Presents number four, where we did not tell K.M. Hirosaki that we were doing an Unsheathed Presents because it was a story about him, and we brought him in and surprised him and made him read lines of his own dialogue from a story I'd written that he hadn't seen up until then, and it was all <laughs> very amusing It was for special. Me. <laughs> he it had kind of a otter-in-the-headlights look on his face throughout most of it. What is this? I don't even... <laughs> I'm 12 years old, and what is this? <laughs> um, but interesting question, and why, why do you write erotica? And, you know, Saverin, you'd mentioned that you have no problem with reading adult stuff, and you appreciate it as well. So um, it seems like something that we can all talk about. Um, I guess for my part, I write erotica because I feel like sex is a part of the stories that I have to tell and I've written a couple stories that don't involve sex and I don't put sex in them then when you know when it doesn't belong but it's such an integral part of human existence what we do what motivates us you know how how we decide who to hang out with um, but I feel like I can't really ignore it in most of my stories you can gloss over it and i you know, Shadow of the Father has like two sex scenes in it, but I think that they're important because they illustrate the change in the relationship between the two people from the beginning of the book where the first one happens to the two-thirds of the way through the book when the second one happens. Mm-hmm. And it illustrates it in a way that would be hard to get across without showing the intimate situations. For my own part... Well, the question is, why do I write erotica as opposed to non-erotic fiction? The short answer to that is, I do write non-erotic fiction, and I just don't slap this name on it. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> um, same with But me, no, but. Um, as for why I do it, uh, just I think a lot of people who are familiar with my stuff would agree that even for erotic fiction, my work isn't terribly erotic I don't don't think that the sex parts are really all that conducive to inciting prurient interest if I can say that I mean like apparently you can say that and I'm impressed hey there you go that's a mouthful I'm a writer yay (laughs) well Uh, he is an otter 
We can hold our breaths for a long time. Uh, I was just thinking about stretchy mouths. <laughs> Speaking of Unsheathed Presents number four. <laughs> and he's distracted. No, again. no. Um, <laughs> which isn't I, to I, say that I haven't written things that are really porny, like my pizza delivery fox story and my... Well, even my give a whole room full of your friends a blowjob story, that was my first attempt to really be like psychological and meaningful when writing things that had sex in it, and that sort of became my M.O. for the longest time. And now it's like, <laughs> no, it's true in a way. Um, you, you well, I just, it, it seemed a little bit out of context to me, but it's like, so that's your M.O. for writing? You just give all your friends blowjobs? <laughs> hey, learn by doing. This, right is why we, know. this is why we love having him on the podcast. Practice makes perfect. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 47. <laughs> In a row? <laughs> Dang, yo. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where one of the things that I have always said, and I know I've said it on the show before, is that I don't see why it's you know, impossible and or inappropriate to use sex as a method of telling a story and not the end goal of a story. Like, sit through 5,000 words of exposition and then you earn the right to read about people fucking. Like, that's that's not what I do and that's not what I like to do. Or or if you're on so furry, just skip the exposition. <laughs> yeah, you just... Uh, control, control F, F. cock. <laughs> yeah. Well, control F sheath if you want to start the foreplay. Ah... Uh. That cracks me up. Well, Saffron, what about your side? On my end, it's adults or non-adults about telling the story in an engaging way that people will enjoy. So if it has, you know, a fat section in it, well, then if they're listening to it and that's what they do, well, hopefully uh, they enjoy it. But when it comes to writing and reading, both adult and non-adult, there's really not a big line for me because I'm s quite used to reading adult material. Uh, and just for personal enjoyment and non-adult because I read a lot of other fiction. But then, of course, you have mainstream things that have a lot of sex in it, like the Anita Blake books. Well, they're yeah. not. They do get very boinky about halfway through. Yeah. That's just how they roll. But there's been, <laughs> you know, adult sections in a lot of books. You know, it's just furries a bit more descriptive sometimes. Yeah, and I think that, I do think that is the line. Although, I was actually um, have, talking this week about fiction and erotica and stuff, and um, someone mentioned the short story that I wrote last year that um, ended up winning the Ursa Major, Drifton, which has a total of one sex scene in it, and it's not really a porny sex scene. It's like lonely, desperate, jerking off scene. <laughs> and, and that's it. That's it for the whole story. Uh, it's more about the relationship. So the question was kind of whether can you label that as erotica if the sex in it is not intended to be... Sexy. Porny, yeah. yeah. Uh, I wouldn't... You know, if it has a sex scene that doesn't automatically make it erotica, I think that sex can be a perfectly normal aspect of a story, especially if it's written for adults. You know, it's an aspect of humanity. Uh, 
you know, if it has sex in it, it doesn't necessarily make it erotica. But I, now, I mean, it just depends on its intention. Yeah, I and I do think it's adult. But then, you know, I also think that a story where somebody gets skewered with a sword and killed or beheaded or something is also an adult story. I, I, oh, I yeah, think definitely. That's. And last week I talked about palimpsest, and there are plenty of scenes in that book where. You know, there's sex, you know, gay sex, gay sex, straight sex, lesbian sex, and it's not like lovingly detailed, but it doesn't shy away from describing what they're doing. But I wouldn't call it erotica, and and this is a case where like the act of having sex is integral to the plot of the story, because that's what moves everything along. Right, and that's a book that won a Lambda Literary Award, actually. Yeah. I think furries would like it. I'm looking forward to reading it yeah. as soon as I get through all the other. Stuff yeah. that I'm supposed to be I mean, reading. It's, it's not furry, but it's all about sex and dreams and wacky shit that, you know, I think that if you have an open mind, which I think most furries do, you can really appreciate what the book is about. Well, I would hope they do. Yeah, I can't talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well. Uh, I'm allowed one typo. Yes. Audio typo. One speako. <laughs> speako. Speako. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm going to move on to the next letter. Sure, sure. Hello to the Unsheathed Duo. Plus bonus, Fennec. Uh, I have a somewhat interesting, possibly somewhat confusing question, at least in my mind. In a story, is it okay to write from a certain perspective and then at some point switch to a different one? I'm not speaking third-person omniscient perspective, but either third-person limited or first-person. In general... Is it a type of writing that is not a good one to have, or it is something that can be tricky, but if it's done right, it works well? Save the Day uses this technique between chapters, as does a friend of mine who is attempting to write a novel. However, I suppose the biggest sub-question in this question is when the technique is used within the same chapter. I was writing a short first draft recently, and near the end I felt the urge to switch from the killer to the victim, and then to the police officer, and looking back on it, I kept thinking... Is this going to keep the work from abruptly ending with the killer's death, or will it keep going to give a real resolution despite switching perspectives? Any advice you can give is appreciated. Border. Ah, spoilers. He spoiled (laughs) his own book. Now we know that the killer dies. Boo. And presumably the victim. Well, they wouldn't be a victim if they, you know, weren't harmed. (laughs) Uh... I'm just remembering Sideshow Bob from The Simpsons going, honestly, attempted murder. Did they give Nobel Prizes for attempted chemistry? (laughs) Get a pen, Sideshow Bob. (laughs) Um, Well, I think we we may have talked about switching character perspectives on the show previously, but... Not in this context, I don't think. um, Not... Not in the same section. You've got to you've got to break it up between sections if you're going to do that. Unless you're doing some kind of deeply psychological thing where people, you know, the switch in perspectives is a part of the story and everything. Yeah. You can't just flip it around as a narrative device without breaking it up into pieces. Yeah, I mean, don't just jump perspectives for a paragraph or two and then jump back. Like you need to section it off. I mean, it doesn't need to be delineated by a character, like by chapter. Um, it doesn't even have a section break, though. Well, it does. Um, but, I mean, like, Thousand Leaves has chapters, and then within each chapter, it's broken up between perspectives, but it's still broken up. 
Right. It's like you don't need to call it a new chapter just because you've switched POV. And uh, Shadow of the Father and actually Out of Position 2 also, though they, they all switch just between chapters, but they switch almost every chapter switches back and forth. Right. Yeah. Yeah. As for whether it's okay to do this, I would caution against it in a short story. Yeah. Uh, unless, like, that's just going to be one of the things you're doing, but that would be tricky to pull off. But you could do it. I'm not saying you couldn't do it. It's kind of one of those could. things where it's it's a rule that you have to learn and you have to yeah. work with for a while before you, so that you understand what it means to break it. Right. If you're writing a longer piece like a novella or a novel, uh, you can't, like, if this is a thing where, like, oh, like, during the big climax, you're trying to keep it tense, you can't just switch perspectives for that section and then not at all for the rest of the book. Like, if you're going to be doing it, you need to make it a semi-regular thing to... And, yeah. I, I mean, stick with stick with one. If you're in limited third, stick with the one person, because otherwise you're just going to confuse the reader. I mean, for for longer works, you can do like like if you've ever read like the Mars trilogy, like that's taking place from the perspective of like a billion different people. Which I mean, that's a complicated story anyway. Yeah, but, but it's broken up. By no, it is. No, I know. I know it is. I'm not saying that it shouldn't be. I'm saying that you shouldn't break up your perspective just for one part of a much larger thing. Is what I was saying. Uh, right, right. You shouldn't. So you're like, saying I don't want to. You don't want to read two hundred pages of a story and then suddenly, oh, and now here we're jumping into another character for just these four paragraphs. That would be weird. Is what I'm saying. Speaking as someone who reads the stories, um, if it's in first person, I think if it stays first person for a good section, it makes sense. Um, reading, I totally boned that fox, you know. And then the fox is like, oh, I totally love that. If those were right next to each other, they'd be really hard to read. And it wouldn't make sense. Um, especially when spoken. Um, but when it comes to reading first person, it's not really a big deal. Now, if you are, say, it's an incomplete story and you slip between <laughs> third and first, that that's tricky but yeah and when it I, comes to reading first person it's not the really big the deal yeah it's um well so so in the portions of save the day that you read how did you handle the switch from third to first um i i will admit i had to read that about twice before really sitting down and doing it um because Corey is full of words See, so is very sweet. I like him a lot, but he's very full of words. And, yes, he is. You know, the save the day is now the benchmark for long books. Uh, but anyways, it was just a matter of taking the time and reading it beforehand and knowing the material. Because just sitting down the first time, it really didn't work for me. And that's not anything against him. That's just the way the story's written didn't necessarily translate to uh, an audiobook format. Oh, I have enough trouble reading emails out loud if I haven't read them over at least once before. Right. Well, and that's one of the things which what what all of this comes down to, I think, is if you can do all these things, you can switch perspectives around. It's going to be hard for the reader. 
and your goal as a writer is to get out of the way as much as possible uh, between it's remove I should say remove as many obstacles as possible f- between the reader and the story and if you're doing this perspective switching and you know like like Saverin's saying about Save the Day well it worked but I kind of had to read it twice through before I figured out what was going on you're not letting the reader get lost in the story then and if you're doing this switching thing where you're switching perspective from the, the victim to the killer to the police officer like something out of the end of adaptation you're making it you're you're making your reader think about what's going on and it may make perfect sense in your head but it's not that simple for someone just reading the story to decipher unless you can figure out a way to do it really well and if you've been writing for a while you know if you're William Faulkner you can probably do that if you're just starting out and this is your first draft of your first novel Stick with one character's perspective, be it first person, limited third, or if you're going to go, well, you said you weren't going third omniscient, but stick with one character's perspective. And, you know, if you find you need to tell a lot of different stories, maybe you want to pull back to third person omniscient. Yeah, make it work. I've killed the discussion. You totally did. (laughs) When it comes to reading, you know, if I can't get into the story, it's... Well, just from reading, you know, if I can't get into it, I'm not going to finish it, you know. Right. Um, And if it's reading it, if reading it doesn't make sense in terms of the character interaction, the world, something like that, it's not going to be something releasable. Now, I mean, if it was commissioned, well, I'll read whatever. But, like, (laughs) just something for fun to be put out there for the edification of the story and the author well right. I'm just thinking yeah. if you're paying from my mouth you can have it <laughs> <laughs> I am a fox uh huh <laughs> I always think it's all just words on a page um, but yeah and I mean I think Saverin's perspective is great on this because when you're when you're reading aloud like when, when, when we read to ourselves yeah. when we just sit and read uh, I skim the hell out of stuff I'll flip through things and I'll be like, okay, this is a paragraph describing the castle. I get it. Uh, we'll skip ahead to where the dragon comes in. But when you're reading an audio book, you have to read every word. Yep. See, I think that's why I read so slowly is because I'm bad at skimming. Uh, like my brain, like I, I read not appreciably faster than I would be reading if I were speaking it out loud. I don't know that I recommend it as a talent to cultivate. Oh, oh no, it annoys the it annoys me that I don't read faster. Like I, I, it makes me feel like I'm stupid that I can't read fast. You know, I remember back when I was, uh, you know, high schoolish, and uh, you know, I'd get a stack of books from li- from the library, Dragonlance, all that kind of stuff, and McCraft, and McCaffrey. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'd read probably one of the little 300, 400 page novels a day. Oh, yeah. But nowadays, I don't take the time to really do that. And that's unfortunate. You know, there are times when I do curl up with a good furry book for an hour or three. Which is cool. And one of the things that I keep keep on about is that I'm really pleased at how many furry books there are. And the fact that there's a, a significant percentage of them, I think, that are actually pretty good and enjoyable and readable. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I one of I've been listening to the Harry Potter audiobooks, which I really like, but going through book seven on audio is like torture because you can't skip any of it. <laughs> and the pacing is really weird towards the end. Because you get to this whole like, oh, we're coming up to the final battle. We're coming up to the final battle. The stuff's going to happen now. Oh, wait. Well, let's take an entire chapter out to get exposition about the entire history of this one character's life. And then, okay, there's a little more action. And now, you know, we're going to have some more action. And then, oh, let's take a little bit, another whole chapter to go back through and explain everything that's been going on up to this point. And then. I really hope they do a better job with the movies. I think they will. They, they, since the the fourth one, which I really did not enjoy, they've been on a pretty good roll. Yeah. Um, As one of my coworkers said, if I have to sit through ninety minutes of them camping, I am walking out. <laughs> <laughs> well, when it comes to uh, audiobooks, there's also are they read by one person or they have a cast? Right, and the Harry Potter ones are read by one person, of course, Jim Dale and. He, I think, is in the Guinness Book of Records for Book 5 for creating the greatest number of distinct character voices in a single work. Huh. Huh. Well, that's good. Because uh, most of my audiobook experience is with uh, Pratchett. So, he has a couple of readers that are really good about doing voice voices. So, just they're just single readers? Yeah. Because the, um, what was the other ones? The Golden Compass books? The the book the book the golden compass is better than the movie i've not seen the movie but i have no problem telling you that yeah yeah i've i've read the book and seen the movie the book is much better um but the the audiobooks are actually really nice because they have an entire cast yeah. acting out the parts and the author himself actually reads the narration oh cool mm-hmm. also like the doctor who audio adventures which are different from the audiobooks oh yeah because those are like radio plays yeah I actually, I really like what I've heard of the uh, Doctor Who audio dramas. Yeah. Buzz and I listen to those on the road. Very cool. And, of course, I love the old Hitchhiker's radio. radio oh, plays. yeah, that's a classic. Mm-hmm. The, um, actually, the, one of the audiobooks that I picked up to try to listen to is the first book of the Bartemius trilogy, which I might have talked about. Oh, and yeah. the guy who reads them is Arthur Dent from the old Hitchhiker's plays. Oh, Sim- nice. Simon Jones. Nice. You know what else is surprisingly good, and I know I'm a huge nerd for saying this, but the uh, the Star Wars audio plays are actually really good. Are, really? Is, that, is that a cast? Yeah, they do cast. And it's not like, they don't have all the main cast, but they have some of the actors. Like, I know I know Anthony Daniels and all of them as, like, C-3PO, and some of the movies have, like, I think Mark Hamill's in one of them, but not the other two, and... Nice. Hmm. All right. I guess... They've probably done that with the expanded universe too, huh? Oh yeah, they have uh, ones with like Kyle Katarn and. <laughs> now you've done it. Ah, oh, look what you did, Savern. You have revealed me as the passionate nerd that I am. Someone set this otter to Star Wars nerd. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. <it's... laughs> hey, well, yeah, I no. They, they, have, they have some expanded universe stuff. Like they do like the Dark Forces audio stuff. And okay, I'm just gonna stop now before <laughs> both Kit and Kyle burn a hole through my head with their hate eyes. <laughs> I wish I could hate you to death. <laughs> Rhombus is a kind of rectangle a bitch would draw. <laughs> one one of our friends told us that um, Sofool Spooth is actually right across from Penny Arcades at uh, Comic-Con this year. So, Oh, that'll be fun. We were, we were looking at their selection of t-shirts. 
Ah, uh, should be fun. Yeah, I have no doubt that they'll write about that on their website. Uh, well, actually, um, our uh, our one of our one, the friend who pointed that out said that now his goal is to get so full for some furries or something into one of their comics from the convention. Oh yeah, there's no doubt they'll. It's low hanging fruit. They'll In, go for increase it. Increase foot traffic by ten billion percent. Yeah, we just need to we need to figure out some kind of promotion like um what can we tell them to do uh hey if you like penny arcade come try our porn <laughs> um i will think of something but hey speaking sh- go ahead i was gonna say yeah i'm sure it'll be interesting there'll be plenty of tales from uh on both sides for that one <laughs> yes indeed Although, Plenty of tales. <laughs> anyway, speaking of that, um, SoFolf is going to be down at Comic Con, which is Wednesday, July eighteenth, nineteenth, twenty first through the that Sunday, which is the twenty fifth. Twenty fifth. Um, I will be down there. I will be doing probably a couple signings. We haven't got the times worked out yet, but uh, I'll be definitely be around, and I'm looking very much forward to it. Hopefully, we'll have this episode out before then, and people will be able to travel down to San Diego. I got a note from somebody who said that he's flying all the way from Ohio to be at Comic-Con, and he's volunteering at another booth, but he said, I really want to make sure that I get to see you because that's the whole reason I'm coming down to Comic-Con. I was nice. Like, Dude, I go to Midwest Fur Fest. You don't have to go to San Diego. I was like, all right, all right, Annie Wilkes. <laughs> It'll be nice to meet you too. <laughs> we've, we've, yes, we've, we've made that joke. He's my number one fan. Just remember, the penguin points north. Yes, but just bring a bronze pig with you, <laughs> just in case, in case things get testy. Oh dear. I will not be at Comic Con for what it's worth. I don't have a book to sign anyway, so. But we Yet. will be. You know, I hear it's kind of a big deal. Oh, uh, a little bit. A couple. Just a bit. It makes Anthrocon <laughs> look puny by comparison. You could. Oh, please. Yeah, you could. Three drop... cons are like a tenth of some of the big anime cons. <laughs> we know uh, we're not a huge fan of them. You could you could drop about thirty Anthrocons into Comic Con. Oh yeah. But uh, anyway, so we're going to be there, and then in a few weeks after that, we are all going to be, well, Kit and KM and I are going to be at Rocky Mountain FurCon. Yay! And we have a room, I'm told, that we will be there Saturday night at 9 in some room or another, which may be in the con book or may not. This was all sort of last minute, and um, they said they were going to try but couldn't promise anything, but you will be able to get the schedule on site, so... Either come to the SofaWolf table or check out schedule on site and come see us at in Denver. We'll tweet where we are. We'll tweet. So follow yes. us on Twitter. I'm Cam Hirasaki on Twitter, and I am Kyle Gold on Twitter. Uh, I'm Saverin. I'm on Twitter, but you know, uh, Saverin Drake, one word. That's a last name, not a species. Yes. Yeah. See, I, w- I was going to say whenever I see that, I imagine this kind of fennec duck. <laughs> <laughs> Quack yeah! <laughs> oh dear! Quack! Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! 
That's another <laughs> that's another soundbite to go along with Eep Squeak. <laughs> Eep Squeak, motherfucker. Yeah. Well, see, I've been confusing a lot of people lately. Uh, my Steam avatar is Deathwing with a top hat and a monocle. It's a WoW character, but people assume I'm a dragon. Ah, uh, okay, oh, yeah. Wow. I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was the other thing. Because have you ever heard of like the whole like twibbon thing, where you put like a little ribbon on like your Twitter icon? Yes. Oh, I'll be really quick about this. They have one like for furries. Like, oh, you can put this little like you know furry pride thing. It's like, but if you're a furry on Twitter, everyone can already see that you're a furry yeah. because you have an animal face. <laughs> <laughs> like that's my that's my furry pride is the the fox face on my yeah. avatar. I don't need a note calling this out. You can just look and tell. It's like, <laughs> hey, what is this? Oh, his website links to its FA. <laughs> oh, what a mystery. What, what is this? I don't even... <laughs> yeah, it's like that comic you were talking about doing where it starts with the wolf checking himself out in the mirror yeah. and the dialogue says, Wow, I'm a handsome six foot eight wolf <laughs> yes. with a beautiful black fur coat. And the caption says, The beautiful six, point eight, six foot eight wolf looked at himself in the mirror. <laughs> and thought, Omer. <laughs> Omer. I would totally do myself. Luckily, in this comic, I don't have to. Like, snaps his fingers, and, like, the wall falls away, and, like, a harem of, like, foxes and whatnot just sort of pour on in and... (laughs) Commence the yiffing. (laughs) Nobody knew how he did it. He was just Murray. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we're, uh... So we're all on Twitter, um... Keep sending us emails. Our email is unsheathedpodcast at gmail.com. We will be we will not be doing a show from Comic Con because I, my Ottery co host is not there. We will yeah. figure out something to toss up next week. We'll be back the week after that and then in Denver the week after that. And at some point this summer we hope to do a live show out here in California and we will Keep you posted. I was going to say, like, you'll be at Comic Con. Like, I'll be at Rikoshi's birthday party, which will have almost as many people as Comic Con. It will. Well, that fox knows how to throw a party. I'm really thinking of a lot of things I probably shouldn't say on this podcast. I'll- <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, I'm holding my tongue. <laughs> and KM's being very quiet over there in the corner. Rikoshi's going to have a lot of people. <laughs> Anyway, Samron, thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, uh, it's cool to have you. No, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, Anything I'll, else you want to plug, or I think we did all your plugs, but I, I'm pretty year. well plugged in. <laughs> oh. And uh, we'll be back at you. <laughs> it can't be the goat. All of its orifices are already in use. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Yay, future on his back. Uh, <laughs> yes. All right. Futurama. Um, thank you, Severin, for came and myself. Um, yeah. Thank you all for listening, and uh, keep writing. <laughs>